Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Hello, what's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? And what's up to you listening wherever you are tonight at WWL.com or the Radio.com app? Glad to be back with you. We've got a big show for you tonight. Uh, the big news today in New Orleans sports was Anthony Davis and David Griffin meeting face-to-face out in California. We'll get into that in just a little bit. And then we've got, well, we're just going to go back and forth on a bunch of sports topics. Steve Court's going to come on in. We'll talk some Saints, Saints offseason and Maybe some big holes that they still need to plug and big position battles, including one that he's very familiar with at the center position. Also, the Saints have been rising up in the Vegas future odds for uh, the favorite teams to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. I saw a couple of places yesterday where the, the Saints were now the favorites in the NFC to represent um, that conference in the Super Bowl, which um, they had been behind the Rams for most of the offseason. That's changing a little bit. So Ralph Michaels out in Vegas, our handicapper for wagertalk.com, going to come in at 840. Also, of course, LSU continues to prepare for their big regional in Baton Rouge that starts on Friday. They get Stony Brook to open it up. The other two teams there are Arizona State and Southern Miss. Wilson Alexander is going to preview that for us in hour number two. And then we'll talk with Ollie Cosell, editor of Bird Rights at 940. And then we've got Drew Brees. We're going to replay that interview from Sports Talk. It was a good one in the 10 o'clock hour. And Ben Mintz, um, mixing it up with Mintz up in Shreveport. We were on the show last week for about an hour as he came in studio. He was in town, and he's a big sports better, uh, big gambler as well. And I wanted him to come in and kind of rip and, and rant like I did yesterday on the failure of the Louisiana legislature to pass what everybody seems to think was a very common-sense legislation and law to legalize sports gambling in Louisiana, but it just didn't happen. And I won't get into my rant like I did yesterday. I think I'll let that stand alone. I'm still not happy. I still haven't found a single person. I have not found a single person in the past 24-plus hours that supported the the – the failure, maybe the better way to phrase it, I didn't find one person that was against passing sports betting in the state of Louisiana. I couldn't find one person, not one person. I'm sure they're out there. I just haven't seen them. I haven't seen them. Nobody's talked to me. Nobody's called me. Nobody's texted me. Nobody's tweeted at me. Not a single person. I think that tells you just how overwhelmingly this state would support it. But for some reason, apparently the overwhelming support of the population of Louisiana isn't enough to get the lawmakers off their butts and to do something. Par for the course is right over there in Baton Rouge at the state capitol. Earlier today, though, well, again, Anthony Davis, David Griffin, they met face-to-face for the first time since David Griffin became Pelicans president of basketball operations. We all knew this was coming. We knew eventually that these guys would get face-to-face. Uh, David Griffin told us as much. He said that would happen. He'd make sure it happened. And he had talked to Rich Paul before but never to Anthony Davis face-to-face. Well, they had breakfast this morning in Los Angeles, and uh, we were anxiously awaiting any news on whether those meetings were productive or not. 
and frankly, it didn't sound like they were. And that's no surprise, but there's multiple reports out there now uh, within the last, I don't know, four or five hours that Anthony Davis has not changed his view on wanting to leave the Pelicans one bit, uh, not one bit. He had Adrian Orjanowski reporting, a great NBA reporter for ESPN, saying that they're going to continue to meet over the next few days, but it's unlikely, according to those reports, that anything's going to change there. Again, it's not surprising. I don't think it's surprising at all. I mean, everybody who's been on my program has said ultimate long shot that Anthony Davis would change his mind just because David Griffin's here now and wants to stay in New Orleans, even with Zion Williamson coming in. So the writing's been on the wall. That writing hasn't changed. And they now have multiple trade suitors. We know it's the Lakers, Celtics, and Knicks at the top of that list. There's reports that the Clippers and Nets are also very interested, maybe more so the Nets, over the last week or so. And those trade talks will really start to begin in earnest over the next few weeks once David Griffin is more sure exactly what Anthony Davis wants to do or wants to not do. You know what's interesting about this? It's that most Pelicans fans aren't going to be too upset about it. They're no longer going to be throwing stuff in the street, lighting dumpsters and cars on fire, that Anthony Davis is uh, leaving town. It's kind of like, I guess, if, you, if you're dating somebody and you really love them and you spend a handful of years together and they break your trust and they cheat on you in a, in a horrific way, multiple times, they're unapologetic about it for months. They're thumbing their uh, infidelity in your face for months. And then all of a sudden the situation changes a couple of months down the road or you guys meet and, and maybe you try to get back together, you have dinner, and uh, you both realize, both sides realize, hey, this just isn't going to work anymore. It's not going to work anymore. I had that happen once. I had somebody that, uh, well, I won't say who, but somebody cheated on me. I was seeing them for about, oh, I don't know, three years or so. And eventually they said they made a mistake. We ended up having lunch together and just kind of wanted to see if there was any connection and chemistry still, and, and there wasn't. And it wasn't, it wasn't animus anymore. It wasn't any hatred between us anymore. But we just kind of realized, hey, you know, probably best for both of us to move on and I think it is best for both sides here to move on from a, a purely basketball perspective from an on-court perspective in New Orleans there is no doubt that the Pelicans would be better long term if Anthony Davis stayed and I'm just talking about on the court production Zion Williamson Anthony Davis Drew Holiday that trio could win a lot of games even in this stacked Western Conference I don't think they'd be a championship contender yet until Zion develops a little bit. But they could be pretty darn competitive. I think they'd be on maybe that second or third rung behind the top tier in the West, which right now, of course, maybe third rung if you got the, the Warriors on their own tier. And then right behind them you have teams like the Rockets and, and, and the Blazers. And I put the Rockets and Blazers together because the Rockets seem like that their best chance to usurp the Warriors in the West is over. And they've got these two Albatross contracts. I think it's almost $80 million that they've got tied into James Harden and Chris Paul over the next couple of years. So the West, you have the Warriors, and I'll argue, and I, I said on my show yesterday, I think it's 
foolish to think that just because Kevin Durant looks like he's going to leave, that the Warriors are suddenly going to end this dynasty. This dynasty of the Warriors is going to end. That they're going to become mortal. That they won't be the favorites in this conference. No, and it's just not going to happen. When you have Steph and Clay and Draymond and that core still together and the pieces around them, they're still going to be the favorites for the foreseeable future. I know people want to believe that it's all going to fall apart as soon as Kevin Durant leaves, but it's not. I mean, look what they've done without Kevin Durant over the last five games. They've won them all. They swept the Blazers. Sure, some of those games were close, but they still swept <laughs> swept the team that made it to the Western Conference Finals. So from a Pelicans perspective, if you look at this Western Conference, yeah, sure. You got Anthony Davis, you got Drew Holiday, you got even a young Zion, a rookie Zion, you're thinking, okay, we can win a lot of games. We can make a run in the playoffs again. But for the long-term health of the franchise, kind of like that relationship, kind of like the, the long-term mental health for the parties involved when you have that infidelity happen. And even though you try to, to make good and you have that lunch and you sit down and you try to work things out, you just realize that, hey, you know what? We tried this. It didn't work out. Feelings were hurt. Love was lost. And it's probably better for you and me to go ahead and go our separate ways. And I've believed that over the last few weeks. I did want to see what would happen in these meetings. And, of course, these are just reports coming out. And sometimes reports can be wrong, even though reports are coming from multiple places. We've seen that play out with the Pelicans a lot during this process. So I'm not going to be the one that sits here on the air and say, hey, believe everything the national reporters are telling you, even somebody as good as Woj. Because we had a Hall of Fame writer in Jackie McMullen just get it wrong a couple of weeks ago uh, in regards to this franchise. So until we actually hear from David Griffin or we hear from Rich Paul or Anthony Davis or somebody extremely close and credible to those people, then I guess there's still a chance that things work out here. But don't hold your breath and also don't be sad about it because the pieces that they're going to get back for Anthony Davis, younger pieces that you can surround Zion with, whether that's draft picks, players, and likely a combination of both, I think would set this franchise up for longer-term success with Zion here than you would with Anthony Davis. That's a weird thing to think about. Remember, you've got basically eight years of team control with Zion Williamson, just like you had with Anthony Davis. When the first contract's up, you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, well, you do know what's going to happen. He's going to be a restricted free agent. But you could have a situation, and I'm just hypothesizing that, you know, maybe it's seven years and, and Zion wants out, like Anthony Davis gave seven years and he wanted out. But that's still seven years that you can build a winner here, a championship roster here. And I think that the Pelicans would be better served by using Anthony Davis's trade bait. We'll get into this a little more in hour number two. When we come back, I want to talk a little Saints. Steve Quartz is going to come in, former Saints offensive lineman and co-host with me on the first take, Saints' first take on Saints game days. And we'll talk about the Saints' offseason and what he sees as some of the more intriguing position battles on this team. The last lap just getting started. I'm Seth Dunlap. It's WWL. Welcome back to the show. We'll talk more Pelicans in hour number two. Also, Ollie Cosell, the Bird Rights, is going to join us. That Anthony Davis, David Griffin meeting going off today. Nothing has changed again, according to multiple reports coming out. Anthony Davis still wants out. Um, lots of Drew Brees in the news today. We're also going to go out to Vegas, talk a little Saints as they rise in the Vegas future odds in the NFC. They're now favorites to make the Super Bowl in a couple of sites I saw. But first, I wanted to bring on in Steve Court, my buddy and co-host on Saints game days, fans first take every Saints game day, also a former Saints offensive lineman. Steve's on, uh, on Twitter, at Saints60. And Steve, what's going on tonight, man? How are you? 
Hi, good. How are you doing, buddy? I'm great. Are are you good? You got to be good. This is the this is the time of year. I know you always get jacked for. Well, it is. I mean, it's sort of exciting just because I think the Saints are sitting in such a good you know a position at this point. Um, you know, I, they're they're sitting on go. I mean, the last two years have been <laughs> utter disappointments just from the standpoint of of two plays. But um, take those away, and you know, we've been in the Super Bowl for the last two years, so. Um, I expect a, uh, sort of a carbon copy of that, except uh, minus the mistake. Does that stick in the craw of the players? Does it affect them negatively, positively, when you have two straight years, when you have you know ultimate miracles happen both years for their opponents to advance? Uh, in the um, I, I, I don't think it does. I think it, I think there's a reminder of it every now and then, but I don't think it, it affects them negatively. Um, if anything, it, it probably – it's sort of a positive thing that you can draw on and say, look, it's not over until it's over. And we know that strange, strange things happen, you know, case in point the past two years. So uh, we just keep playing our game the way we know how to play it. And, uh, and hopefully um, <laughs> the officiating will get better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know any other way to put it than that. I, mean, I really don't because it really wasn't uh, – we didn't lose either of those games. It was a uh, – you know, one guy made a – you know, made a catch a couple of years ago, and and other than that, yeah, we missed a tackle. But other than that, um, you know, we missed last year because it was a it was a it was terrible. It was a terrible call, and everybody knows it was. It was not a call, but a mistake. It was a terrible mistake. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Some one that I don't think anybody down here is really going to get over from a fan's perspective. Now, if you and I keep talking about it for a while, um, it certainly will get me in sort of a bad mood. <laughs> okay, let's <laughs> you know? move on. So yeah, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, let's move on to a position uh, battle that I know you're going to be watching uh, with uh, high intrigue, and that's the one at center to replace Max Unger. You got the rookie Eric McCoy. You've got Nick Easton here. You got Cameron Tom. We'll clap on this roster, man. What are you seeing? What are you thinking so far? You know, I'll say this. I think as good a player as, as we hope that McCoy is going to be, and and I think that's why they drafted him. And you know, all things point to that. But you know what? He, uh, you don't know. Um. You don't know how how fast he's going to assimilate into this league, and how fast he's going to sort of pick things up. Now, by all accounts, uh, you know he's way above schedule. Okay, but at the same time, um, things change when when you start playing you know preseason games, and and then obviously you get into the season. So I wouldn't be surprised if Easton isn't a guy that is sort of starts the season off uh, certainly in that in that center starting role. Um, just because I think the experience uh, at this point he has he has that on him, and, and that is a that's a big that's a big that's a big difference you know at this point especially coming as a rookie you're you know your head's spinning around anyway and you're trying to figure out this game and how it um, is such a, a different game uh, intellectually than it was in college and at the same time you're having to you know figure out what this pro football thing is all about and I think you know obviously I think that he'll adjust to that the good ones always do but um at this juncture i think the fact that that easton's been there and he's started games before you know and you know he just has that experience i think that that first and foremost is something that that um that makes me feel good from the standpoint of we don't have a guy in there that's completely fresh does Cameron Tom's familiarity with Drew Brees matter at all here? Uh, I know it matters some. I guess that's the wrong way to phrase it. How much does it matter when you know Easton McCoy? They don't have that familiarity with the quarterback. 
Well, it's going to help some. There's no question about it. That also gives him uh, you know, a kind of a leg up from the standpoint of of, um, of playing, you know, in this offense and knowing the offense better than those other two players know uh, from the standpoint of playing it on the field, not just playing it, you know, in the in the playbook, but playing it on the field. So, yeah, I think that had, that goes a long way. Now, um, again, whether or not those two other guys, and I'm speaking of the rookie McCoy and, and then Easton, um, are going to be able to, you know, sort of jump up real quickly and be able to, you know, both of those guys I know are bright, and I know this Easton guy is a Harvard guy, so he's got to be bright. But, um, you know, whether or not that translates to, to him being able to uh, to put that into playing uh, smart is is another story. So we'll figure that out uh, once they start putting gear on. It's kind of hard to tell right now with, you know, everybody's sort of still running around their underwear out there. It's not – there's nobody that's, you know, that's able to really – uh, you can't do anything physical out there uh, very much. So it, it, a lot of it is uh, is it, concentrated on footwork and, and, and making sure that you're picking up the right guy and, and really using all your technique to the best of your ability that you can with hand placement and pad level and, and, and footwork and, uh, you know, the correct calls and all the things that can be, that can be improved upon without the physical part of it. And that really is sort of what becomes pro football practice after training camp is over with because there's really not too many uh, padded practices that they have during the season to where you could practice the physical stuff anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Steve Court with us, former Saints offensive lineman. Are you buying the hype around Jared Cook, Steve? Well, I hope to be. I'm sort of buying it. I mean, I, I've seen him before, and I'm always he's one of those guys that I've watched for the past couple of years thinking, man, he, he's, this guy's a really good athlete and a, and a great football player, and he's right on the verge of being – you know, in that top sort of that top echelon of tight ends in the league. And, and then there's, for some reason, there's this injury or some, some inconsistency or, and I think a lot of it has to do with who he was playing with. You know, they, they, it's not like, um, you know, you can't tell me that, um, that Carr is, is a quarterback that's in, in the Drew Brees level. Right. Uh, so I think that, you know, given that um, it, it's really not his fault, but at the same time, He's always been a guy that I thought was right on the verge of breaking out. And I know the way that Sean Payton loves to do tight ends and, and, and the things and the creativity does he, that he uses with that position is something that, uh, you know, Jared Cook ought to be really just loving this. And, and now that Drew Brees has a guy that's, you know, a bona fide big-time athlete at that, at that position, um, it's going to be good for him as well. Yeah, you rarely have heard uh, unanimous raves on a player this early in the season, as we heard uh, last week with Jared Cook. Um, Steve, can I hold you through this quick break? I got a couple other questions. Yeah, sure. I guess. Yep. All right, 60 yep. seconds here for CBS News. It's Steve Court on the line with us, former Saints offensive lineman, as we discuss the Saints offseason here on The Last Lap. Talking a little Saints here to open the show with Steve Court, former Saints offensive lineman and co-host on Saints fans first take on Saints game days that's usually about four hours before game time in the fall and Steve put two position groups that they didn't really upgrade uh, this offseason I think most fans and onlookers were surprised that they did not was the wide receiver position but also the linebacker position two groups that outside of the two stars there Michael Thomas and Demario Davis lacked a little bit of production were you surprised at all about that and then of course um, are you concerned at all about those groups heading into the season I'm not concerned about really either of them, and and because I think we have the depth, I think we have the we have the players at each of those positions that are that are there now. 
and I don't think there's good thing out that we need any additions from either, you know, free agency or, you know, picking somebody else up. Now they'll always do that because that's what good teams do is they, you know, they constantly are scouting and looking to upgrade positions. So if, if, you know, this preseason rolls around as it's going to pretty quickly here, that there'll be guys that they feel like are better than the players that they have uh, in those backup positions out there. And they'll say, Hey, you know, if this guy can, you know, fill in on the special teams aspect of it, as well as, as we think he's a better linebacker with more experience uh, and he's not going to break the bank. Um, you know, he's a good citizen. He checks off all the boxes that we, that, that sort of Sean Payton and the Mickey Loomis, you know, and the algorithm they figured out, you know, on the players to pick, then, then that'll be something they'll do. But if not, you know, they'll have the players there you know, in hand that I think of, you know, if we can keep those guys healthy, it always seems like we get a run in a certain position uh, of health issues. You know, and in the past couple of yeah. years, it's been offensive line where we start the year off, you know, both times just, you know, decimated from day one um, and worked our way back to health. But, you know, never had did we have, I think, but other than, say, maybe, you know, four or five games, did we have guys that with the five starters that started that, those five you know, starting games. So, um, you know, and then from that point on, it's, it's mix and match. Um, and I think the same was sort of true with the linebackers, uh, you know, in the past couple of years. They've sort of had some, some injuries there, but certainly had an upgrade last year with, with the acquisitions that we had. Yeah, no doubt uh, about it. Uh, the news today that, that speaking of you know, algorithms on picking players, well, from a draft perspective, that's uh, Terry Fontenot. He's got a big hand in that, the director of pro scouting for the Saints. And, and word emerged today that he's now a, a candidate and apparently a very serious candidate for the New York Jets general manager job. Uh, how big of a loss would that be, um, Steve? Well, look, this that would be a big loss. There's no question because uh, valuable personnel guys um, – I mean, that, that's sort of where it's made. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like, it, uh, for lack of a better term, it's, it's recruiting in the National Football League because if you've got guys out there that are, that are constantly looking at other teams and, and scouting you know, all the players that they can and then they're realizing that, um, you know, there's upgrades here and upgrades there and this is the kind of guy that uh, we're looking for. And like I said before, it, you know, he checks those boxes off that are they're required to be you know, in the Saints organization. I think that those guys are hard to find because some got one guy's evaluation of talent is different than another. And so at the end, you really never know until you sort of see the end product. A lot of times that has to do with obviously the player and has to do with some other things, some luck and some, you know, injury situations and whatnot. But for the most part, you know, when that guy comes in, you know, whether he's a free agent acquisition or a draft pick, um, they pretty much know exactly who they're getting. And I think it's, um, you know, obviously people change when they get into this situation. But uh, first and foremost, I think that they realize that if this guy can help us win, um, then it's somebody that we're interested in. Well, yeah, here we go, Steve. we got a couple more days of OTAs, and then we get, what, a t- I guess a two-week summer vacation, and then it's uh, back in action. <laughs> that's pretty much what our summer that's break it. is kind of devolved yeah, into. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I'll be out there joining that team uh, again in, uh, in uh, mid-June. So um, I'm looking forward to that again. That gives me a whole different perspective on, on you know, looking at, at our guys anyway, um, up close first and foremost, you know, and watching them firsthand. So, um, I can learn how these guys, 
you know, some of them, you know, how they're assimilating into the, you know, the team and, and, and other guys, have, you know, leadership qualities, things like that, like things that you can't normally see. Um, you know, I'm able to sort of glean a lot of that out of there, and it certainly helps me, uh, you know, I'm looking at guys through the year. Yep, and I know we're going to have you on to talk about that when it happens. Uh, Steve Quartz, at Sync60 on Twitter, uh, former Saints offensive line. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks so much. Seth, I'll see you later. All right, there he goes. The the uh, sultry tones of Steve Court. I was trying to come up with a good adjective there because I always use the same ones. That was a bad one. That was a bad one. Uh, check on the Stanley. I should have asked, uh, what was I doing? I should have asked Court about the, the Stanley Cup the finals series. He's a huge hockey guy. What was I doing? That was a... That was a missed opportunity. Uh, Bruins and Blues tied 2-2 in the first period, so high-scoring game there. 5:05 left in the first. Of course, Boston up 1-0 in that series. It'll shift back to St. Louis for Game 3. If you're wondering about the NBA Finals, they start tomorrow. No Kevin Durant in that one, and that game will be in Toronto. Toronto has home court advantage in the NBA Finals. So if that game goes 7, they'll get four out of the seven games there. I don't know if a lot of people actually expect that to happen, although the hot take artists today heard a lot of them um, jumping on the, the Toronto bandwagon outright to win the series outright. I don't know about all that. I love, I love Kawhi. I love what's going on up there like I laid out yesterday. I don't know about this Toronto becoming a favorite in that series. But when I come back, hey, I'll ask Ralph Michaels about it out in Vegas because uh, he knows what Vegas thinks, and we'll do that. And also the Saints, like I said, rising in the – NFL futures odds to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. So Ralph Michaels makes his return to the program of wagertalk.com when we come back next here on The Last Lap. If you missed it earlier today, David Griffin and Anthony Davis meeting face-to-face for breakfast out in Los Angeles. Nothing really coming out of that meeting. In fact, reports are that Anthony Davis hasn't changed his mind at all. Those meetings will continue later this week and, well, throughout the week. We'll talk to Ollie Cosell, the Bird Rights, next hour about that and, and look towards the draft and possible Anthony Davis trade scenarios. Again, Brooklyn and the Clippers emerging as serious contenders along with the big three, the Knicks, the Lakers, and the Celtics for AD this offseason. NBA Finals in action tomorrow. We told you, game one up in Toronto. We the North, the Raptors against the Golden State Warriors. We'll talk about that from a Vegas perspective, and also we'll get into some NFL futures with Ralph Michaels, who makes his triumphant return to the program. Our handicapper out at wagertalk.com, at CalSportsLV on Twitter. And uh, uh, Ralph, I'm heading your way this week. I'll be out there in just a couple of days, so uh, we'll have to get a couple of adult beverages or something and check out some uh, NBA games, man. Well, you know what? As cold as it's been, you might think you're in the wrong continent, but uh, it's going to warm up for you, so it'll be a nice Vegas weekend. And uh, you know what? It's very enjoyable when it's 90 degrees and you're outside drinking a cold beer under the misters and the NBA Finals are coming on at 5 o'clock. It's a very joyous time when you can watch in regular time instead of staying up to crazy hours to watch the Finals. (laughs) No joke. What's cold? You said it's cold. What's cold in Vegas this time of year? Uh, you know what? It uh, We've had a few days in the 70s where it got down to 50s in, in the evening. So uh, we still have snow on Mount Charleston and a significant amount of snow. So we've had the coldest May we've ever had in Vegas. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I guess i got to bundle up. i got to be prepared, at least at night, <laughs> coming out there. Uh, all right, let's talk the NBA Finals first here. And everybody knows the Warriors are favored in this series. But how big of favorites are they in, in Vegas, Ralph? 
Well, they're a three to one favorite to win the series. They're minus 300. You know, all these years we're used to Golden State running through their competition and having home court edge. So this will be something different with Toronto having the home court edge. When you look at game one, one thing the Warriors have done is take care of their competition to start a playoff series. In their last 19 game one playoff series, they are 18 and one straight up. On the flip side, Toronto, their last 14 playoff series, game ones, they are 2-12, and 12, both straight up and ATS. So while some people may say we, have, uh, we may have a team ready to play versus a rusty team because of the rest Golden State has, uh, they've, they've taken care of it in the past. Uh, what, what's home court worth in a, a playoff series like this in the NBA? We all know in football it's around three points, give or take, depending on the, the field you're playing on. What's it like in basketball? You know, I, I give four and a half to five points when we get to this when we get to this place as far as the playoffs are concerned because you're not having to deal with motivation. You have a true home crowd edge, and it is almost like a college atmosphere, especially Toronto, uh, who's not accustomed to a Golden State maybe a notch down because been there, done that. But when you look at the last 14 game number one NBA finals, the home team is 13-1 and one straight up, 12-2 and two ATS. That certainly is a selling point for We Are North. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Kevin Durant uh, is certainly uh, playing a factor in these, in, in these lines and odds. Uh, will not play in game one, uh, questionable for game two this weekend. Um, how does he shift things once he comes back, if he comes back? Well, you know, I think it just gives them an extra defender. I think the scoring, you know, we, we see Durant as a great two-way player, but Golden State has, has enough offensive ability that they can cover his scoring. Uh, you know, unfortunately for Golden State, I mean, Gasol at center is not an offensive force he is. You know, and their whole job is to cover Kawhi, and Golden State has the two perfect people to do it, Iguodala and Draymond Green. And, you know, you could just go back and look Golden State against the Cavs when they played them those, you know, back-to-back-to-back years. And when Iguodala was on LeBron, I've never seen anyone guard LeBron as well as he does. You may only get 25 or 30 minutes out of the game, but I think he's the difference in the playoff series. Uh, Kawhi won't know what's what's on him when you have those two guys covering him for the full game. It's Ralph Michaels out in uh, Las Vegas, our handicapper at wagertalk.com, talking a little NBA Finals here. Uh, have the Warriors entered this this Patriots phase, this Alabama phase, where uh, no matter how high you set the line, no matter how high you make these odds, that everybody's still taking the Warriors, no matter what Vegas does, these sports books do? Well, they are, and they've taken some uh, big bets recently. I've just been following Twitter, and, and someone just bet 100000 on the Warriors at, at minus 300 in the series. Uh, and really, you're getting some value. We, we did some podcasts last week where I was talking to numerous sportsbook directors, and I asked them what their line would be in the finals. This was when Milwaukee and Toronto were tied 2-2. And they basically said Golden State would be a 200 favorite against Milwaukee and a 400 favorite against Toronto. 
but all of a sudden Toronto gets the win and they open up as a 300 favorite and they actually opened up as a 275 favorite. So uh, the true odds, I believe, are closer to four to one. It seems crazy to say that there's value on Golden State laying 300, but been there, done that, top to bottom, they are just the superior team. Yeah, fifth straight NBA Finals appearance trying to make it four out of five titles for Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and company. Let's go to the NFL, Ralph, and um, I want to talk the futures and Super Bowl odds here, but but also I saw, and I think these were offshore sites, I think Bavada was one of them, and another that did, you know, their, their projected Super Bowl matchups, and the Saints uh, on a, at least a couple of those sites were eclipsing the Rams. I think it was Saints-Patriots uh, was number one, Saints-Chiefs number two is the the top two projected Super Bowl matchups, and again, on those offshore sites. And then uh, in the Vegas odds, we see the Rams still at 8-1 to one and the consensus and the Saints at 12-1 to one, um, to win the Super Bowl. So I am curious, like, what's the, um, the, the, the conflict there? Why would the, the Rams be favored, you know, in the futures in Vegas, but in some of these other sports books, you have the, the projected matchups where the Saints uh, have the top two? Well, you know, when you're looking, when you're talking about those futures – a $100 bet is going to change the odds significantly. So if you have one person at that sports book making a few Saints wagers and you don't have any Rams backers, it's going to shift the odds significantly. When you talk the win totals, New Orleans is 10.5, so they're very respected. That takes tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars to move the line. So it's just perspective on where you're getting the line from. It's so early in the season that such a small amount moves the line and it becomes shaded. Once NFL gets into the mainstay here in Vegas and we get into August and preseason football, you're going to see those numbers stabilize, and, and you'll still see the Rams as a favorite, I believe, in most places. The Saints are a great story, but, you know, to me, it, it's tough to look at the Saints at 10.5, and, and that's about where I think they should be. But improving from 7-9 to nine to 11 wins to 13 wins – uh, there's there's not much uh, more more room to move up. Yeah, okay, your Browns, and people who have listened to uh, these spots before with Ralph knows that he's a big Browns fan, big Cleveland guy from there originally, and uh, everybody now kind of on the bandwagon, it seems like. Cleveland, what is it, 14-1 to 1, uh, out in the uh, the Westgate right now to win the Super Bowl? Or are you buying the hype here, Ralph? Oh, I'm excited. You know, I'm a big fan of John Dorsey. John Dorsey for those that don't know, was the GM of Kansas City. Why they let him go, I don't know. He's the person that drafted Mahomes. He had Mahomes sit. He's the one that brought in all the talent there, and he's made all the right moves in Cleveland. So it's nice to have a GM in Cleveland, but I am not buying the hype. I think the Browns are going to be a very improved team. I think the Browns are an eight-win team. But you go from a team that nobody cared about that had one win in two seasons. They were 1-15 and 0-16. and and You have eight games of improvement to go to, to, to improve to last year. Those are historic numbers. There's only one other team in the last 15 years in the NFL that has improved by over seven games and then improved one more year, and that was the Rams in their historic climb the last two years. Now they go from the favorite. You have Pittsburgh and Baltimore, who used to look past the Cleveland Browns. 
Now they have complete motivation. The Browns have a bullseye on their back. You're going to get a completely motivated Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Cincinnati. Those division games are going to take a lot out of you, as are, you know, all the national TV games the Browns are going to be on. They used to not be on TV, so people didn't care about playing the Browns. Well, if you're on primetime TV, it doesn't matter who's coming into town. They give a little bit of an extra effort against Cleveland. So, you know, if Cleveland wins the division, it's going to be uh, – more than I can ask for, I still think Pittsburgh's the favorite to, to win the division. Yeah, I, I share your hesitancy to jump uh, feet first, uh, uh, blindfolded into the Browns bandwagon, but I think everybody can't wait to watch the Browns season. Uh, uh, let's back it up here for one second. Um, it's Ralph Michaels out at wagertalk.com. I did want to ask about uh, MVP favorites in the finals uh, that I forgot to ask you about and any other bets you're seeing there, Ralph. Well, I, I, you know, I will give our listeners what I think is some incredible value. You know, we talked about Golden State at 3-1 to one to win the series. Well, with Durant missing a few games and Curry never having won the MVP in the finals, you can bet Curry to win the MVP at minus 140. Well, if Golden State's going to win the finals, the odds are very good Curry's going to be the MVP. So you can actually get the Warriors at, I think, a much fairer price, minus a buck 40, or at least hedge your bet that part at the minus 300 and part at Curry minus 140. So for me, I like the Warriors. I like Curry minus 140, and I think there's some value in the thought process. Well, there you go. Uh, Ralph, what's going on in Wager Talk uh, this summer and right now? Well, it's still baseball, but uh, – I will be putting up a college football coaching report. You know, everyone knows the new head coaches, but I break down every offensive coordinator, every defensive coordinator, and where they came from. It gives you a jump on those. CG Technologies opened up 85 college football games of the year today. The Golden Nugget opens up 100 games of the year tomorrow so, uh, really, college football is, is around the corner. I think we're down to, what, 93 or 94 days. So, uh, certainly excited about that. It'll be here sooner than we think. Ralph Michaels at CalSportsLV on Twitter. you got to follow him there. And, of course, bookmarkwagertalk.com if you're part of your daily rounds. Uh, Ralph, thanks so much, man. And, uh, look, I'll see you out in Vegas in a few days. Yep, we'll see you this weekend. Thanks, Seth. All right, there he goes. Ralph Michaels, NBA Finals, tips off tomorrow, 8 o'clock Central Time, up in Toronto. We the North, King in the North, Kings in the North. Kawhi trying to make his claim to the NBA throne. Can't wait to watch that series. I really cannot. I think it's a four- or five-game series. I'd still be on the, the Warriors' side at three, or I guess it was one to three, but – can't wait to watch it. Like he said, college atmosphere for the games up there. You've got Drake. You've got an incredibly hyped atmosphere, and game one's up there in Toronto tomorrow at 8 o'clock. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll update you on the Stanley Cup Finals, game two between St. Louis and Boston. I'm Seth Dunlap, plus your phone calls at 504-260-1870. Hop on in. We're going to have open lines for about the next 30 minutes of the show, 504-260-1870. We can talk finals, Saints, LSU Regional. We can talk Anthony Davis situation, really, whatever you want to talk about, 260-1870. And our text line is 870-870. It's the last lap on WWL. Welcome back to the show. It is the second period in the Stanley Cup Finals. 
And Boston up in the series on St. Louis, one game to none. It is 2-2 late second period now. We've got about two seconds left in the second period. He had four goals scored in the first period, none in the second period. So it looks like they'll head to the third period. Knotted up at two games apiece. Some texts coming in on our text line at 870-870 from the 504. So you enjoy watching Toronto get spanked. Uh, no, not necessarily. Don't watch. Uh, don't enjoy anybody getting spanked. And I, I am the ultimate neutral observer of this series. I have absolutely no dog in this fight. I would be certainly happy if Toronto won their first title. I'd be fine with Golden State winning another title because, frankly, uh, they're fun to watch and they play the game right in my mind. I'm not rooting for them, like I said, but I wouldn't be upset if they won another uh, championship so no I'm not going to enjoy watching Toronto get spanked but to your point uh, like I said I do think this is a four or five game series the the energy in that building for game one and game two makes me hedge a little bit and think Toronto's going to steal one of those two games it's interesting to say it's steal use that word steal when you have the team with the home court advantage in the playoffs when you're talking about playing the Golden State Warriors that's what any win in the playoffs is it's a steal I mean it's like the the Pelicans stole one game in my mind last year here uh what's that uh, Logan I want I got you uh, Logan back in the back of the station we're doing the show remotely I've, I've been on the road um, doing a little road trip and um, out to Vegas and decided um, I usually obviously I'd fly, but instead I just kind of wanted to take a little cross-country trip, take my time so I could still do the show, and I'm thankful that everybody at the station kind of let me do that. So uh, I am in uh, somewhere in Texas. In fact, if you can tell me where I'm in Texas, I'll give you a shout-out on Twitter, maybe on the air. It's uh, Let's see i got to give you a hint, right? I will say it's in uh, North Texas, west of uh, Dallas by a couple of hours. Back after this. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.